Hallelujah. Come on. Come on in, somebody. Why don't you bring your neighbor if they're not up here? <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a song we love to sing here at this church. It's called You Are Good. And we're not singing it about your neighbor. <laughs> no, no. We ain't singing about your girlfriend or your boyfriend. As good as you might think they are. Right? We're not singing it about your dog. Come on, somebody. But we're singing it about Jesus Christ. The Bible says that's who he is. He's good. Amen. So let's sing it out. One, two, three, four. Well, put your hands together. Come on, help me sing. I want to scream. I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness goes low Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. Help me sing, I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance. You are good, and I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me, and I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good. You are good. You're good to me. We'll sing nothing and no one. Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. The earth and oceans, they only reflect this truth. And in my darkest night, you shine as bright as day. Your love amazes me. Let me sing, I'll sing. And I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance you are good and I'll shout because you are good. Yes, you are good to me. And I'll see because you are good and I'll dance. We let our dance and I'll shout. We shout it out. You are good to me. Oh. You're good to me. Come sing with a cry of praise. With a cry of praise, my heart will proclaim, You are good. You are good. In the sun, in the sun of rain, my life celebrates, You are good. Come sing it out with a cry. Cry of praise, my heart will proclaim You are good. You are good. Born in the sun, in the sun away, my life celebrates. You are good. Oh, shout out! Yes, you are good, and I'll sing because You are good. You are good and I'll shout because you are good. You are good to me. We'll see it again. I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout. We'll shout it out. You are good to me. Well, put your hands together in this place. We're going to do this again, and when we get to the dance part, I want you to dance for Jesus. Come on. And when we get to the shout part, I want you to shout it out. Come on, you ready? Here we go. 
He loves him because you are good and now for this Shut up! You are good to me, and I'll sing because you are. And I'll hold this, and I'll shout. Oh, one more time, and I'll say, and I'll say because you are good. Lift up a shout. Give him a hand clap of praise in this place. You're good, Lord. So good to me, Lord. So good to me. You're so good, Lord. Come on, every hand, would you lift it up in this place and tell him, You're good to me, God. Come on, the one who created the heavens and the earth, you're good to me. Come on, you don't have to be left wondering. You don't have to be left guessing here tonight who God is and if he loves you and if he's good. Come on, he's a good God. Despite your condition, despite your shortcomings, he loves you. Isn't that good news to your heart, to your soul right now? Come on, just worship him. To me, come and say, Mercy Falls. from your heart down on me. Come sing glory. Glory streams from your face so lovely. Come sing it again. Mercy. And mercy it falls from your heart down on me. Your glory your glory streams from your face so lovely. We'll sing a million words. And a million words could not describe the harmless your perfect thigh and I adore you. And I will sing it with all I adore you. I love everything you are. You are. Come sing that my heart. Then my heart. It beats to the rhythm of your heart. Come to my eyes. Then my eyes focus on your beautiful eyes. Come on, a million tongues. A million tongues could not express how beautiful your holiness is. Mercy falls. Every voice. 
I'm playing right now. Come on, with our eyes closed in this place. Come on, Jesus, we just come to you right now, Lord. Come on, we can't do anything in our own strength worthy that will please you, God. But we ask for your strength, God, your heart, and your help in this time right now. Come on, as the band plays right now, I just want to make you aware right now what's happening. Come on, right now in the physical, some of us may feel tired. Some of us can be singing, our hands raised. Some of us might want to sit down, but this is what's happening right now in the, in the spiritual. God is here. His Holy Presence is here. His Holy Spirit is, is searching hearts. And I mean, there's a lot of us in here with broken hearts and with just a, a thirst for God. And we don't even know that we have that thirst. It's expressed in different things. We're looking for love. But did you know that the Bible says that God is love? So you're really seeking God, but in different forms and in different ways. So what you really need is God. And I tell you one thing, in all honesty and truth, that God is here. Man, where is he, Adam? Is he standing in the back? Is he kneeling at the front? Where is he? Come on, for some, he's in our hearts. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, for some, he's in our lives. <laughs> And if he's in your lives, I mean he's come in and he's wrecked you. He's taken your sin and he's separated it. Come on, that means that he's filled you with his love. Come on, he's filled you with life. For some of us, that's us. He's in our hearts. He's right now. You don't have to think twice about it. He's there. <laughs> he's there. For some of us, we're looking around. We're not engaged. We're just like, where is he? I adore you. Who am I adoring? And for some of us, we don't have the Lord. But the Bible does say this. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of this world. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Man, I want God. Man, all you have to do is come to Jesus. Come on, repent of your sin. And say, God, I'll trade you that which I admit that I've done, the thing that offends you, sin, God. Come on, you ever lie, stole, cheat? Come on, have pride, selfish ambitions, pornography, lust. Come on, does that describe you? God is saying he wants to commune with you, even though that may be you. So with all hands raised, whether the Holy Spirit's living in you or if you want Him for the first time, come on, let's just lift our hands. Come on, we're going to sing the second verse of this song, that my heart beats to the rhythm of your heart.
And for some of us, we're going to be singing now for the first time the Holy Spirit. Come on, right now, just pray that the Holy Spirit fall on hearts today, right now. Come on, for those who are wanting Jesus, wanting more of God, just lift up your hands and just say, I receive you in this place, God. God, I repent of my sins, and I come to you right now and receive your free gift. That's it. If you prayed that, if you want that, it's yours. We receive it in this place. We're going to sing this again. And I want you guys to sing it to Jesus. Don't sing it to me. Don't sing it to the band. We don't need you singing it to us. Come on, sing it to your Savior, the one who saved you from your sins, the one who saved you from your sorrow.
love someone so much. You just say everything about you is great. Everything about you is perfect. You see, Jesus is the only one we can say that about. Everything about him is perfect. The way he loves, the way he sees us, the way he treats us. Oh, everything about you, Lord, is perfect. We can't say that about anybody else. In our search for love, we may say, oh, you're perfect. You're everything that I want. But you haven't spent enough time with somebody to to know that. You just got to spend more time and realize they're not all that you wanted. Or maybe there's some things you just didn't understand. And they're not feeling that desire that you had. But Jesus, he's the only one you can say that about. And have truth behind it. Come on, with all eyes closed in this place. Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. God, you're perfect in all your ways. Come on, just I want to encourage you to sing that out, to share that out in your heart. Some of you guys are coping with God, and maybe you're saying, well, he's not perfect because my parents are together. He's not perfect because my brother's not alive. He's not perfect because of this. You see, that's that's the situation dictating to you who God is. Come on, you need to let your God dictate to your situation, to your life, what's going to happen right now. Come on, God, you're perfect in all your ways. We speak that out. We speak that out. God, you're perfect. You're perfect in all your ways. You're perfect, God. presence is Holy Spirit and in that presence is the fullness of God come on dwell God is dwelling in our place right now with all eyes closed and an attitude of prayer come on just stay with me right now what God is doing in the atmosphere what God is trying to do in our hearts come on if you're just praising God just praise God but for those who are who need a little bit of coaching who need a little bit of direction I just want to encourage you in this place that God is here you know that when you die, your spirit, your soul lives on. Your body is just the casing of your soul. Your soul makes up who you are, your mind, will, and emotions. 
We know that everybody's soul is different. You look to your neighbor, you're not like your neighbor. They're different, not just in appearance, but who they are. Their mind, their will, and their emotions. We call that the soul. The Bible says that the soul lives on. That either you will die one day, you will be with Jesus in eternity. In the fullness of God. Or you will die and be separated in torment, in hell. Right now, this is how awesome this is. The Bible says that God's presence... The, the presence of the Lord, where two or three are gathered, fill up a place. His presence, God, dwells in this place. Check this out. When we sing songs that God, my soul sings, we're saying everything that I am, everything about me, God, it sings to you. God, I worship you. It's the ultimate it's the ultimate demonstration of worship when you give your soul to something. Right now we're saying we're giving our soul to God. That our soul is literally singing to God. And let me help make this a little bit more literal and practical for you. That when you sing from your mouth and then when your mind dwells on who God is, and then when you worship God, not only with your mouth, but with your mind. But say, man, God, you begin to think thoughts of God, of who he is. God, I thank you for your, your son, Jesus Christ. God, I lift you up. I bless you, God. Everything within me, God, I sing to you. Nothing I have is on my own. When you begin to do that with your mind and with your voice, your soul is singing. Hello, somebody. It's the ultimate demonstration of worship. When your soul is given to something, for many of us, it's easy to give our souls to a spouse. It's easy to give our souls to something physical that we can tangibly see because we don't want to use our minds to try to think of the things we can't understand. And here's some good news. The Bible says when two or three are gathered, God is here. No more thinking about it. God is here. Stop looking around. You're not going to find him on the screen and the lights. Come on. He's here right now. His presence is Holy Spirit. If you can do me the favor, just close your eyes. Some of us are going to be worshiping God from our soul for the very first time. And we never felt that good. Ever been so into something that, man, everything about you is just like, man, I'm so excited about X, Y, Z. I'm so excited about that thing. Come on. I believe that we can give our soul to God. Ultimate demonstration of worship. God, I give you my soul. <laughs> Everything that makes me me, God, my character, my personalities, God, my life, my friends, everything about me, I give to you. Right now, some ways we do that. We just lift our hands and we just say, God, I thank you. God, I bless you. Come on, right now, for the next minute, I want you guys to bless God. If all you can say is thank you, Jesus, just say thank you, Jesus. For some of us, we have things to be thankful for. Come on, you saved me from my sin. You showed me grace when I deserved death. God, you showed me mercy when I could not do it on my own. Come on, you have things to be thankful for in this place. Come on, let your soul sing. Come on, God, I thank you. I bless you in this place. Come on. Come on and thank him in this place. Let your soul sing it out. Let the deepest parts of inside of you say thank you, Lord. I bless you, God. All that you are, you redeemed me, God. You've given me my family. You've given me a new life. Oh, you've given me a church. Oh, you've given me your spirit, God. My soul you're giving me a second chance. Come on. Oh. Come on. If you're ready, we lift up a shout of praise. One, two, one, two, three. Lift up a shout of praise. We bless you, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, that I am. All that was in me, I worship you. 
of all that we do to love you and love people to give them your son Jesus God I pray that all of us in this place would receive a revelation of Jesus of Jesus Christ come on that one who died on the cross lives in us he lives in me he lives in you give us a revelation of that what that means God rock us in our understanding we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place? You can do me the kind favor and attitude of worship. Why don't you greet your neighbor? Love on them. Come on. There's some new people here. Why don't you love on them too? My man, Aran. Yep. Andres, he's new. But come on, show some love. Come on and say hi. And if you can do me the favor, as you guys begin to make way back to your seats after you're done greeting your neighbor, loving on them, if you guys can stay within the first three rows, we're going to try to keep it close and tight like a family. Amen. My name is uh, Ellie. I'm one of the pastoral elders of our church, and I'm on staff. And um, I used to be the, the youth pastor of Wicker Park, but we've merged them together. And so now, you know, me and, me and Adam, we tag team it up. But Adam's still the head over the entire ministry here. But, you know, he gave me the opportunity to preach to you guys. And I just want to let you guys know from my heart that, you know, I love you guys. And I want to let you guys know that we're here to serve you no matter what's going on in your life. We're always open. We're open books. You, you, if you want, you can have our phone number. We can talk to you, whatever it may be. But just to know that's who I am. I have a crazy testimony. I was uh, saved at a young age, not too different from your own age. Um, I think all you guys are actually probably better than I was back in the day because when I was saved from, I was actually saved from Satanism. I believed in Satan. I worshipped Satan. I did things that was crazy beyond what you can possibly think of. I would uh, be very promiscuous. I was filled of anger and rage. I was depressed. I was heading down a spiral just completely down to rock bottom. And the Lord saved me. The Lord changed my life when I was 15 years old. Now, was my life a bed of roses after that? No, it wasn't. You know, it, I had to go through the things the hard way. But I hope that all you guys here today listen to the message I preached to you because it is so detrimental. It's called We the Disciples. And what this means is that if I myself would have had discipleship at your age, I wouldn't have gone through the things I would have gone through. I would have 
you know, stuck it through the Lord through the tough years when I was 17, when I was thinking of running away from my home, when I was tired of, of being around people who treated me like garbage. But I want you guys today to learn that discipleship is the key to this church, is the key to this youth group. When we say elevate, we don't just mean elevate and we just say, what, what? No, we mean elevate, elevate to a new level, grow in this. We're not just wanting you to come, sit down, warm the seats. We don't want you to hide over there in the corner. We don't want to, like, see you around for six months and not know your name. We want to know you. We want to go close to you. We want to teach you the things of Jesus. We want you to grow and just get to the next level. That's it. That's what Elevate is all about. Okay, I don't know about you, but I love Elevate. I don't know about you guys. You guys love Elevate? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. All right. Uh, let's, let's open up in prayer. Lord God, we, we come before you, God, and we thank you for tonight, God. We know that you are a good God. We know that you are an awesome Lord. And we, we just simply give this time to you, God. We know that you are over everything, and we know that you know every single situation that is going on in every person's life, God. But today is not a message about the situations, God. Today is a message about the heart. It is about the commitment, God. It is about the word that every single person here can make, God, to you, to be dedicated to you, to follow your ways, Lord. I pray today that people would just focus in on this today, God, to answer to the call that you are, are calling them to, God, that you are calling them to be a disciple, Lord. You are calling them to follow you all the days of their life, God. I pray right now, God, that people would be focused, that they would be on alert, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you can put the slide up there. The title of today's message, if you haven't heard it, is We the Disciples. The little thing in the bottom that's not really that important, but it's what Jesus died for. But we the disciples. I want you to think about something real quick. I, I want you to think about any type of sporting event, sporting game, the Super Bowl, a regular football game, a regular baseball game, whatever it is. If you can get to the half point of that game, let's say the fifth inning in the baseball game or the, you know, the, the quarter, the halftime in a, baseball, uh, a basketball game or a football game, usually you would know then either they're tied or one team is going up on the other team. One of them is usually winning or usually they're tied, whatever it may be. I was really thinking about this, and I, I want you to understand where the church is at this point in our culture, in our society. If you could see church versus the world, you know, and what is it at halftime, you would see the church is probably like three points and the world is like 100 points. And this is not to be like controversial or whatnot, but this is serious. We are getting owned by the world right now, owned by the world. The world is showing us up at, at what we're supposed to be good at. We're supposed to be the champions at this game, man. The, the world is showing us up. Why is that happening? Why is it happening now in our culture, in our day, in our society? Why is it happening now? You know why it's happening now? Because what the church is doing is watering down every single message. It's making all the messages so easy to eat. You know, you're just like, just like that. There's hardly any stake. There's hardly any deep things anymore. There hardly is any transformation. Hardly any transformation. So, you know, you hear about churches. You think, oh, man, I, I hear the message about Jesus. And you think maybe that's all there is. But there's so much more to it. There is you getting committed. There is you following God. Not just saying, I believe, but following God. There is you making a commitment to him in that sense. And it's not just, oh, it's my side thing or whatever I want to do, but it's more than that. It is beyond that. It is your life. The Bible says that you become born again, that you become of the God's kingdom, that the kingdom of God is in you, and you start representing the kingdom of God. How does that look like in today's culture? Do you believe that the kingdom of God is being represented well when you go to your school? No. When you go on the streets? No. When you go wherever it is you want to go to? Is the kingdom of God being represented there? Is the kingdom of God right now, is God, the church, whatever you want to call it, is it right now above the world? No. No. It is losing. 
We are failing at the things that we have claimed out to do. What Jesus came on the earth to do, what he died for, we are failing at that. Am I saying now that the gates of hell have prevailed prevailed against the church? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that we are losing this battle. I hear all the time about churches closing down, churches changing doctrines, churches doing whatever they want to do. Why am I saying this to you guys today? Because you have the opportunity to make a decision to change it. You are the next generation. How I before, just maybe 10 years ago, was in your place. Now you are looking towards the future and you will be the next leaders of the church. How is that supposed to look? How are you supposed to do this? I want to give you an example of America. Just real quick. I don't want to, you know, belabor you guys down with a bunch of history and whatnot. But let's just say this. We were sent through Great Britain, right? Everybody know that? If anybody knows this, raise their hand. Anybody in high school? Okay. You guys already have a step above me because I actually got kicked out of high school. Well, I learned it later on in life. But we were sent through Great Britain, first of all through Jamestown, and then also then to Plymouth. But eventually we, we came to 13 colonies, and we wanted liberation, you know, uh, independence from what was going on over there. So we decided to revolt, to go up against Great Britain. And that's where you get the Declaration of Independence. Now that's a great, you know, document itself. But I want to go to actually the Constitution. What the Constitution was, it was a supreme law for our country. What it is it, what are, how are we going to function as a country? What is it that we're going to do as a country? These people, they stood up for what they believed in. In the midst where it was either you stand up for what you believe in or you bow to the king of Great Britain and you just, you know, hush down a little bit. They decided to stand up. They decided to not just bow down. They decided to stand up for what they believed in. So I want you guys to have the heart. Instead of what it says in that constitution, it says, we the people. I want you guys to think now, we the disciples. What would you say? What would you write down? What would be your supreme law if you can make one right now? Obviously, we have the Bible, and we're going to take from the Bible what it says. But what would you do? If you could write a document with everybody here, what would you put? We the disciples say this. What would it be? The first point I want to make, we the disciples long to be worthy for Jesus, of Jesus. You guys can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Let me get a second to do it there. All right, verse 37. We, the disciples, long to be worthy of Jesus. What we will stand for, what we will fight for, what we call as law now, what we would say this is how our church runs, how Elevate runs. We, the disciples, long to be worthy of Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, I don't get a lot of amens when we're talking about, you know, following Jesus, being disciples. That's because it's hard, isn't it? How many of you guys are in discipleship in this, in this church, just in general? Let's just say that. So maybe like 75%. That's good. We the disciples long to be worthy of Jesus. You know what this shows? This shows a complete different shift in the way that we think in a church. It doesn't show that we're prideful and we come to God and we say, look at me, I'm so good. I can play the piano so awesome. Or look at me, I, I, I can, you know, shovel the snow the best. Or look at me, I have beautiful hair and I'm the best, you know, looking person in this church. You know what that means to Jesus? Nothing. Okay, nothing. It means nothing to Jesus, okay? You can be Tyra Banks. You can be whatever it is you want to be. You can be Nicki Minaj, Lady Gaga. I don't care, okay? You can be Drake. 
you can have an APAC and you can like, like flex it like, like that and you can be like super hardcore rock solid and I don't mean anything to Jesus. The fact is that every single person here was not worthy of God, was not worthy of Jesus. When we're saying that we, the disciples, long to be worthy of Jesus, we're coming in a brokenness, in a poor spirit, saying, God, will you please, would you please change my life? Would you make me better? It is not, I'm coming over here, can I please contribute to this church because I see you all be broken over here and disgusted, and I think I can just contribute right away. No, it's talking about learning, coming in humility. What has happened to that? What has happened to humility in all culture? What has happened to that? I want you guys here to understand that disciples were never the people that were prideful. They were broken. They were beaten. They were in places they never would have thought they would be, but it's for God. They didn't live either the best lives they thought they could live. They were living and running and, and, and being scared of persecution. They hardly had any friends because they were making more enemies than they were making friends. Am I saying to you all, now you're going to make a bunch of enemies, you're going to be on the run from the cops all the time? No, I'm not saying that. But look at that. They were not prideful. They did not come to God and said, God, look at you, you got a gift now that's on here. Nothing like that. We, the disciples, long to be worthy of Jesus. Worthy of Jesus. Isn't that such a shift in ideas? It's such a shift in thinking about God. Why is that? Why is that? I'm telling you because we have completely watered down everything. We think all you need to do now to, you know, be good at church is you just come Sunday or if you're a youth, you come on Friday and then you just maybe make a few changes here or there, but no big deal. That's all you have to do. You can keep doing the hanky-panky with your you know, your, your lover, whatever maybe you want to do. You can continue to curse. You can continue to, you know, talk up with your friends. You continue to be the gossip. All you have to do is just believe. No, it's not like that. There's more to it than that. You have to completely, wholeheartedly give your life out to Jesus. The Bible says right here, and anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Let's get this thinking out of our head. Let's just, let's just put our hands on our head real quick. Everybody put your hand on your head. Pretend like you're taking that idea and you're just tossing it out now. Okay? We are not the people who are going to do that anymore. We are going to be the people who are biblically correct. If I do not take my cross and if I do not follow Jesus, then I don't have Jesus. That is just the way the Bible works. That is what Jesus is saying. Elsewhere in the Bible, he says, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You need to know Jesus to get into heaven. How do you know Jesus? One, you need to love him. Another way you do it is by loving him, you obey his commands. What is, where are you going to go to another church to hear something else about that? You're not. This is what it is. You need to obey his commands. You need to take up your cross and follow him. You need to deny yourself. You need to stop thinking of the things of what you can do. Follow God. Be a disciple for him. That is what we want to do. That is what we're calling the law of this church. That is what we're saying. We will write down. We will defend till the day that we die. We long to be worthy of Jesus. We're not really worthy of Jesus. We long to be changed by him. Amen. Second point, we the disciples are committed. Needless to say, it sounds like we just made that statement already, but no. We the disciples are committed. Go to John chapter 6, verse 67. You already know about this passage. It's in the passage of where Jesus... He just fed a whole bunch of people, 5,000, I believe. And they were like, man, God, you're so amazing. So they started following him, and he left, and they kept following him. And he said, you know what? You're not coming for me. You're just coming for the loaves of bread that I, I made. He said, if you really want to have eternal life, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. 
You know what happened when he said that? They were like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. How am I going to eat your flesh and drink your blood, Jesus? Am I supposed to really do that? Am I supposed to do that if I, if I go to Schur's, if I go to Prosser, if I go to Naval Academy? Am I supposed to really eat your flesh and drink your blood, Jesus? I mean, come on. That's not practical for today. I mean, seriously. Like, is there an app for that? Please? Can I, can I get that? No. John chapter 6, verse 67. Let's start from 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know you are the Holy One of God. You see the disciples, basically when we're saying discipleship, when we're saying anything like that, it is two things in one. It is mentorship, which is somebody is going to teach you, and it's also commitment. It is, will you be committed now to God? Will you be committed to the church? Will you be committed to actually growing up in your faith? Will you be committed to that, yes or no? When Jesus, when he was saying all those things, when he was rebuking everybody in those 5,000 of people that he fed, what did he do then? He turned back to his 12 because everyone had deserted him, and he said, are you going to leave me too now? Is this, is this too much for you? Are you not committed because I said this to you? You know what they did? What real disciples did? Where can I go? Where can we go? We heard your words. I felt you in, I felt your presence in worship. When my friend was talking to me about Jesus, I knew that it was truth. Even though it stung in my heart, even though I, had, I got rebuked because I was in my sin, because I was sleeping with somebody, whatever it may be in your heart, whatever has happened in your life, are you committed? Can you proudly stand with your fellow disciples saying, can you say, we the disciples are committed. We are committed to you, Jesus, no matter where you take us. We are committed to you no matter what you want us to do. We are committed. Can I preach like this on a, on a Friday service or is this too much? I, I, I used to say it in Wicker Park. It's like, if you all want me to like, put on a chicken costume and I can just start dancing around for you guys, I can do it. Otherwise, I can preach like the truth, you know, and I can share with you the word of God. But I don't know if that's, is that relevant today? Is it? Can I w preach this word of God a little bit? Is it okay with you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amen, you see? And I did say that multiple times. Like, I'll just, I'll take out the costume and I'll just start doing the, the walking man, all right? Let's, let's be real here, okay? We can say, we can talk with our words, right? We can say, yeah, I'll be committed. We go home, we don't even care about anything that God's done. I'm not talking about that kind of commitment. I'm not talking about the phony baloney commitment. I'm talking about when you sit down away from these, these seats right here, wherever you go, whatever you talk about, are you committed there? Do you really, are you really committed to God? Are you really t committed to his word? Who you are as a person, when no one else is looking around you, are you thinking about, man, I love God so much, I would never leave him? Or are you thinking about, man, what can I make an excuse to not go to 201? Can I make an excuse not to meet, you know, Adam for discipleship? Can I make an excuse not to go to life groups? Can I make an excuse not to even go on Fridays? Committed people don't think that way. Committed people are like, my leg is chopped off and I'm still trying to go to church, you know, like that. Like my man Alec over here, he had like the flu one time and he came to church. He's like, what are you doing here, man? He's like, I'm all right, man. I'm just here for Jesus. Go home, man. It's the middle of winter time, too. Are you committed? The third and final point. We, the disciples, live in a world that is not worthy of us. When you follow God and when you obey him and when you deny yourself, what the Bible says then is that now you are not of this world. You are now of God's kingdom. You are now a son of God. Now you are a daughter of God. Now you are in the kingdom of God. And now the, 
the Bible says that the world is not worthy of you now. Isn't that crazy? At one point, you're not even worthy of Jesus, and now the world that you live in, this planet, the one that I'm standing on right now, it's not worthy of me. Isn't that crazy? I think that's just crazy, man. Come on, man. I'm, I'll be fascinated by myself if I have to, okay? But you guys, you guys get this. Seriously. The world is not worthy of us. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. And it's going to be a lengthy passage. Just a little bit. Like I said, you know, you all gave me permission to read the Bible today, so that's good. Just got to make sure that, you know, the congregation is okay with me preaching and reading the Bible. (laughs) Adam over there in the back. Come on. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not even have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, uh, Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, fire, the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, and in caves, and in holes in the ground. Now that is radical if you talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can just imagine, like, over here, um, Isis living in, like, in like, a cave somewhere. And she's all like, I love Jesus, and I'm scared, you know, like in, like, Afghanistan or something like that. But look at that. When you come to God broken, when you come to God saying, I need to be changed, man, then you're already the good stuff that God is talking about. God has something to really plant his seed on there. You are good, the good soil, the Bible says. You're not this soil where, you know, something happens, it gets choked up, or you get scorched, the seed gets scorched. No, you are good soil. Why is it, why is it that we've forsaken this? Why, we, why is it that we have changed this in our minds, in the way that we think about church? How then we even sometimes, while we believe some things like this, we start to take away from it. We're like, oh, I don't really believe this anymore. I can be off of it for a while. Let's be real here. Do we really love God? Do we really believe in God? To be The first question would be that. Do we really even believe in God? What's the hardest thing that somebody comes who's, who's new to a church? What is the hardest thing they have to overcome? Do I really believe all of this? Do I really believe the worship? Do I really believe what he's saying? Is there really a God? Now, I know some of you guys are really committed, and I, and I applaud you for that. I'm guaranteeing you that you guys are going to see awesome things in your life because of your commitment. But I want to push you guys even further today. Will you guys hold this? Will you guys, will you guys hear? Will you stand up for this? Will you hold on to it for your life? I'm not talking about just for the next few years of your life. Oh, now when you get out of Elevate, it's going to change now. No. For your life. Will you be that person for your life? Will you be a committed disciple for the rest of your life or not? Because I'm just going to be real with you here, okay? We can spin it around. We can play the game for as long as you want. But eventually there will come a point in your life when you're going to have to decide for yourself, am I going to do this, yes or no? You want to know where that commitment came from me? I was 19 years old. I'll just keep it real real here because we're thinking about, like, what is else, what else there is there in the world? I had broken up with a girl that I was with for two and a half years. We were serious. We were thinking about starting a business together. And it, we were just, you know, going on in our own way. She got pregnant. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, I can't believe this. It was, it was a pretty hectic time in my life. I was backslidden. I didn't really believe that much in God anymore. I, I was kind of not caring about his ways. And we had an abortion. And our, our relationship wasn't the same after that. 
we just kind of drifted away. And after that relationship, it was the summertime, and I thought to myself, what is there now? I was in the world. I know what the world gives. It's like, what, what more do I want now? It's like, I, I was there. I, I did everything I would want to do. And this decision came to my mind. Will I follow God now? Or will I just continue to live my life and do whatever it is I want to do? And you know what came to my head? All the times I was in youth ministry. All the times I felt God's presence. All the times I heard the truth preached to me. And I said, I miss God. I miss God so much. I wish I never would have left. I wish I would never have done the things that I did. And I made a decision. I said, God, I do not care what it is that's going to happen to me now. I don't care what it is that might happen to me in 10 years on the road. I make a commitment to you right now that I will not leave your presence from this day forward. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will go through the oceans if you want me to. I don't care. I gave my life to the Lord again. I recommitted my life to God. I became so on fire. I became so passionate for God. I felt so much joy. I would shout in my prayer closet. I joined SUM just a few months later. I went on a mission trip to Mexico even a few months later after that. I'm talking to you, man, guys. This is it. You have to make a choice today. The discipleship that we're talking about is not just for the show. This is not the show church. This is not the show service. This is not that. Everything that I'm saying to you, you will have to make a decision in your heart, whether it is right now, whether it is at home, whether it is when somebody is trying to holler at you, whatever it may be, you have to make that decision. Amen? It's tight, but it's right. It's hard to hear it, but it's true. Everybody's going to be faced with that. Even Jesus was tempted, wasn't he? It wasn't a bed of roses. It wasn't like, you know, you want to be a Christian? Here is like the free pass. It's like it, like you think it's going to be so easy to be become a Christian. It's like you're going to want to go on a ride in the great America, but there's nobody in the line. You're just going to walk up to the roller coaster, and you're like, yes, I'm a Christian now, and you're going to be on the roller coaster. No, it's not like that. That's going to be like the hottest day of the summer. There's no drinks around. They, for some reason, water doesn't exist. And like there is like a million people in line in front of you. <laughs> but you see, what happens then is that when you believe in God, then you get the Holy Ghost. Now you have the, you know, the springs of water in you, so you don't even need the water. <laughs> I'm just messing with you guys, okay? Everybody, can you guys stand up? And Vinny, can you come to the piano? Unless, okay, yeah, go ahead. There's one thing I do not want to do, and that is I don't want to hype you guys up just for the sake of being hyped up. I don't want you guys to go home thinking, yo, man, like, it was the most awesome. Like, the lights were amazing, and then the guy was so funny, or whatever it may be that you were expecting. That is, that is not what I read in the Bible. I'm sorry. I saw Jesus in the Bible. I saw Jesus directly talking to people and saying, this is what's going on in your life. What are you going to do about it? This is the truth. What are you going to do about it? It was real. It came at you. Whether you liked it or not, it was a freight train coming your way of truth. And if you were in sin, your sin found you out. If you held some reservations, that made you not a disciple. This is the truth right now. The Bible says, anyone who does not hate his mother or father is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not hate his own children is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not hate his own life is not worthy of me. We can feel the goosebumps. We can shout hallelujah all we want. But in the end, are you going to make a commitment to God? commitment to God? Are you going to stand before him? Are you going to say, God, I'm going to give every ounce of my life to you 
that's the difference. We're not saying, do you just want to not go to hell? Do you just want to feel good sometimes? Do you just believe this because it sounds good at the moment? No. Do you want to give 100% of yourself right now to God? Because if you do, I want to tell you right now, you do not know how awesome that is. That is what Jesus died for. That is what Jesus died for. When you, when you see the stories about Jesus dying on the cross, it wasn't for the, the lame, phony, baloney Christian. It was the disciple, the person who was so on fire for God, the person who was so committed for God, the person who was willing to do whatever it took to get God's name known. That is what Jesus died on the cross for. He died for total transformation. He died for you and your whole entire soul to be drenched in his fire. He died for you specifically to receive new life and to carry on that new life with a light inside of you, with a truth in your mind that you can share with people, with a new calling, with a new name. That is what the Bible says. Do you want to be a disciple of Christ? everybody can bow their heads. Jesus. Right now we're going to open up the altars. But in just a few seconds, I just want you guys to meditate on what was just preached. You don't have to make an excuse about maybe why it's so hard to follow God. Whatever it is you want to say to this, it is right now between you 